because we had a preacher, one of our missionaries, there's two lessons we got to go through this morning to keep on schedule. So I'd like you to open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 2 Samuel chapter 12 today. It was a little different for me last week because I had to, I went over and preached junior church and it had to be revolved around the same lesson as was taught in Sunday school. And I hadn't taught the lesson in Sunday school. So I had to get my brain connected a certain way. And as I get older, that's harder and harder and harder. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see here. Michael Shelton, open us a word of prayer. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 11. And Uriah said to David, The ark of, and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord, jo, my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I go to them in mine house and eat and drink and lie with them? And to lie with them, with, to lie with my wife, as thou livest and as thy soul livest, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry, here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and on the morrow. And when David called him, he did eat and drink and before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his own house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, Retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah a place where he knew that valiant men were. And if you know your Bibles, you know the story. Uriah got put to the front of the battle, and then Joab retreated from him. Uriah was killed so David could cover up his sin. David had a premeditated murder to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. And so many times we get caught in different things. If we were to continue down reading through there, but what you're going to find out is, and it's a poem, again, I heard a long time ago with Dr. Ruckman. It applies in so many things. And basically, your Bible says the little foxes spoil the vines, right? I mean, it doesn't take much. I want you to, to think about this, Okay. David failed in what he thought was a little thing, and it led to great sin. And as I was teaching the kids over in junior church last week, I gave them a lesson that my wife has tried to teach our children continually. And that is to delay is to disobey. Okay? When God gives you something clear, and you're supposed to do it, and you don't do it, what is that? Disobedience, and disobedience is sin. See, David was about 45 to 50 years old at this time. He'd experienced many victories and battles. He'd enjoyed prosperity and success of his kingdom. He loved God very much. This is a man that had said he was a man after God's own heart. 
However, he chose to commit a terrible sin that had severe consequences and a downward spiral to his fall. And everybody says, well, his sin, okay, if we, you were to look at that, his sin would then have been a coveting and adultery, right? That's what you would think the sin was. But the sin didn't start there, okay? It started... In chapter 11, in verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at that time when the kings, when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba, or Reba. What's that last sentence say there in that passage? But David what? Tarried in Jerusalem. Where was David supposed to be? with his troops at the front of the battle. They were to follow their king. He tarried. Like he may would have come out, you go and I'll catch up with you. When the command was, you go, you lead. He tarried. Because he tarried, he went on the rooftop of the palace. He looked down, and that was demonstrated to Steve Ford and to um, my wife and to myself the very first time again in dawn when we went over to India and we went to the rooftop of Dr. Joseph's school, which is Grace Baptist Temple in the first floor, and then it's a school, a Christian school in the next Three floors, and then the fifth floor on top of that is where the, the men stay when they come in for a Bible Institute, and then you have a big flat roof on the top area of that. And we went up and we're looking over the whole city because when they built it, it was the tallest building in that area on a hillside. And guess what happens when you get on top of a tall building and you look down at all the flat roof houses around you where all the people bathe? Hasn't changed since the time of David. They go to the rooftop. They wash their clothes on the rooftop. They bathe on the rooftop. And Steve goes, now I know what David's problem was, preacher. I can remember the conversation. He says, it made the Bible come alive in that point. Well, David went to the rooftop. He looked down and he saw one of the most beautiful women he'd ever seen naked bathing and said, I want her. Would he have been there if he had not failed to obey. See, so when so many times people make an emphasis, you know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or we could say the right place, he was supposed to get clean at the wrong time. His temptation came because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He tarried. He delayed. Something little, like a delay, caused him to be tempted in a way he wasn't ready to turn away from. The cover-up of the sin caused by that caused him to have a man's life taken. For the want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of the horse, the rider was lost. For want of the rider... The battle was lost. For want of the battle, the war was lost, and all for the want of a horseshoe nail. 
God wants us faithful in obedience in the little things. How many of you in raising children, you turn around and you're trying to teach them to be faithful in little things and they, their attitude is, well, it's no big deal. It's just a little thing. And you go, yeah, it's a little thing, you'll let it go. But what you're teaching them is, if they don't want to at that time, or if they don't think it's necessary, they don't have to obey you at that moment. Well, David got to the place, he didn't obey God. He tarried. And it led to lusting, stealing, envy, bitterness, adultery, and murder. All because he tarried. I've had young people ask me when they go to work, and I said, you do what your supervisor tells you unless it's dangerous. And then you talk to him about it. And if you do what they tell you, you are going to stand out. I used to work in a factory. People will do what they want so many times they don't pay attention. I watch people lose their jobs because they wouldn't do what they were told to do. They thought they could get it in another 10, 15 minutes and it changed the chemical process in making paper and they threw away a lot of paper because someone just didn't hit a button at the right time when he was told to. I'll do it later. See, it doesn't change. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. God wants your obedience more than, yeah, I'll, Lord, I'll give you this. Lord, I will do this. Just don't tell me I have to do that. See how it works? And then if we teach our children, you run into the same thing. And so he has this sin in his life. And he turns around. And it snowballed on him. Now, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a what? Way of escape. You know what we do? We dwell on the temptation. We don't dwell on looking for the way to escape. Okay? David tarried his first sin. He wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. He did a natural thing. He went to his rooftop of the palace. That's where they do things, on the rooftops over there in the Middle East. It led to his being tempted with what he sees. Okay. You know what happens? I want you to think about this. When... You run into a problem. When you run into sin, what does God want us to do? You know, sometimes people won't go to God because they feel guilty. I've never understood that. I have to, I, I'm telling you, I have to confess stuff every day. I have to say, Lord, forgive me. I did that again. I said that the wrong way. I wasn't all that I could have been. Please forgive me. He tarried. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18.
Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. A lot of times we tell our kids to read their Bibles and then we don't ask them what words they don't understand. I think you should encourage them to write down a word they don't know what it means. They may be able to pronounce it. I'm finding with my grandsons. Do you know what that says? Read it for me. What does that word mean? I don't know. So you know what it does? It doesn't help them when they don't understand. They may be able to pronounce the word. Perfect. You know, hooked on phonics works for me, man. But if they don't know what the word is, it doesn't help them. You ready? Ecclesiastes 10.18. By much what? What is that? Slothfulness. To delay is to... Slothfulness. (laughs) I'm of the generation of the really bad cartoons. And I don't mean... Filthy cartoons. I mean just really badly done. I, the original black and white Popeyes. Okay. And Popeye had a friend who would show up going through the show a many times, and his name was Wimpy. And what would Wimpy say? See, she's my generation. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. In other words, I'll catch up with it. I'll catch up with it. Okay, slothfulness, the building decayeth. What does it mean to decay? Does it fall down all at once? Do you ever, have you ever, I don't understand, you ever thought, realize that one of the worst things for a house is to be unoccupied? You ever notice how a house gets dirty when no one's in it? We, you know, we always blame, these kids, they're making the house dirty. We'll shut the house up and have nobody in there, and guess what? It gets filthy, it decays. Through the idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. I'll give you another one. Proverbs 19.15 Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Finish the statement for me. Okay, when you're delaying and then you're just kind of doing what you want to do, an idle mind is the... It's the what? Yeah, devil's playground, devil's workshop. There are, ready? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of, casting down, where's that? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you give a child too much time and they daydream, what happens with that many times? They, they don't pay attention. Their normal protection doesn't kick in. Doesn't kick in. Well, the same thing is true with us. When David was on his rooftop, he saw a beautiful married woman. And David didn't control his eyes and look away. He committed adultery in his heart. If a man looketh upon you, guys, understand this. You go someplace, your wife is with you. I've used the illustration, I'm doing premarital counseling. I can't walk too good this morning. Um, you're walking through the mall. You've got your wife's hands. And this teeny bopper walks by in a tube top and tank, or, yeah, tube, yeah, tube top and hot pants. Okay? 
Wives are laughing. You know what the husband should do at that moment? Lean down and lay a wet one on his wife. Give her a kiss. Put your mind where it needs to go. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind and a pleasant roe. Always be what? Ravished with her love and satisfied with her breast. This thing, you know what happens? Noticing that girl, because no man living, ladies, no man living will not notice her. Not her visual. But if we're walking and hanging on to the hand and she walks by, that's sin. Because it went from noticing her to what? Dwelling on it. If a man looketh upon a woman with lust in his heart, he hath committed already with her. David should have confessed it right then. He didn't. Go to Psalm 101. We teach it to the kids in the nursery. They hear it sometimes during vacation Bible school. You ready? Can you sing it with me? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For your Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. For your Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful with your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet, what they do. He didn't do it. Eve fell because of what she saw. 1 John 2, verse 16, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Psalm 101 and verse 3. I had you turn there. What does it say? Read it out loud to me. Lamentations 3.51, and that is a little book in your Bible. I think you'll find it near Jeremiah. You don't need to turn there, but it says, Mine eye affecteth my heart. Okay? David broke a commandment. The tenth one. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's... What was the memory verse for last week that you should also need to do? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor anything that is thy neighbor. Okay? Just because you had a special speaker doesn't mean you shouldn't work on the memory verse. Okay? So, he broke the Tenth Commandment. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to have enough, basically, learn to suffer want. I have learned in whatever state I therein to be content. When you're looking around at someone else's wife, someone else's things, 
you're telling God He didn't provide for you. Instead of rejoicing with what you have, being content. Okay, He wasn't content, and sometimes we get caught, we're not content with what God gives us. Then we start coveting something. And we're telling God we're not satisfied with His provision. And it'll lead to stealing and lying. Okay, in Samuel, 2 Samuel 11, verse 4 and 5, David sent messengers, and he took the woman, had her come, he laid with her, she got pregnant, and tells David, I am with child. He committed adultery. She was not his wife, he treated her as she was. The result, she was going to have a baby. Uriah got sent to the front of the battle. Do you know that covering up your sin is greater than the first one that you started? It always costs more. See, you go from the one of the nail to the one of the rider. It gets worse. He covered up his sin. He didn't just acknowledge it. The Bible says, we confess and forsake our sins. He is, right? If thou wilt confess thy sin, he is faithful and just to and cleanse us from. He had, should have taken it to God. This is one point where David didn't take it to God. He covered up his sin. Turn to Proverbs 28 and verse 13. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. I tell people all the time, they need to read the book of Proverbs daily. It's interesting, there's how many Proverbs? How many days in a month? Yeah, but one there's only 30. So you've got to read another proverb. Oh. So tough. Can't even get you to read one. It's full of practical wisdom. He that covereth his sins shall not. But whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have what? Mercy. David didn't want to confess his wrong. He devised a plan to cover it up. Uriah the Hittite was killed, wasn't he? Look at verse 24 of the second chapter, or second Samuel 11. And the shooter shot from off the wall upon thy servants. And some of the king's servants, what? So David accomplished, he wanted Uriah taken out, but what happened? When the government says, well, to accomplish the goal, we have some collateral damage. Is that right? No. He tried to cover it up. Others died because of his sin, not just the one he was, he was trying to kill. What it caused him to do? Look at verse 25. Then David said to the messenger, Thus shalt thou say to Job, Let this thing not displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. You start becoming callous to your sin. Those people didn't mean anything. When the effect on someone else that's collateral to your circumstance, doesn't come into your mindset, 
you better get your heart right with God. Because what we do affects others. And not just the one that we think we are either doing wrong to or correcting. It affects others around that. Verse 26, he had no pity. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sat and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife. Well, no one's going to question whose baby that is. She delivered, she had a son. Consequences. Galatians 6, 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, so shall he also reap. We break God's commandments, it's displeasing to him. One sin leads to another sin, leads to another sin, leads to another sin. They start spiraling, they start building up. All sin is sin to God. Okay, you understand? Adultery and lying the same as far as God is concerned. But with us, what do we do as people? Well, that's a little sin. That's a big one. It becomes, it affects more and more people. Okay, what's the first thing we should do after we sin? Are you going to sin? Yes. What's the first thing you should do? 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Galatians 5, 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. James 1, 15. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath taken there is no temptation taken you, but such as is. But God is faithful and not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. I can answer for my sin. I can't answer for somebody else's. That takes us to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And what do we have here? And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Nathan was the prophet. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. And then he gives him the story about the rich man going to have a party. And he has sheep, he has flocks and herds in multitude. And what does he do? He takes the poor man's one little lamb. Takes that, kills it, and uses that to feed his people. And he tells this unto David. In verse 5 it says, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man hath done this thing, shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb, what? Fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And then there's that verse 7 that we none of us like when we're confronted with him with our sin. Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? What you find is 
What is one of the ways the Lord teaches? Okay, God teaches by giving information. He gives, teaches by using parables. He teaches by using illustrations. And then it says in Hebrews, you go look up the chapter. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. Do you know, in the book of Proverbs, it tells you to beat them with a rod. Because you're going to protect their spirit and their soul. Isn't it amazing? God is a horrible father, isn't he? We live in a day and age where you're not supposed to use corporal discipline. You shouldn't chasten the child because you're going to break. And I don't, I'm talking words. Because you're going to break his spirit. Failure to obey is to disobey. One of the ways God uses is chastening. The purpose of chastening, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're coming back to keep a marker in 2 Samuel. Chapter 12. Hebrews. Chapter 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without what? Chastisement. Whereof what? All are then ye are bastards, illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days chastened, they chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. My father told me a story from World War II. He was in World War II. I have his bronze star from World War II. Kevin Thomas has a bronze star from being over in Afghanistan. It's given for valor. Okay, it's not the highest award, but it's an award start that not every soldier gets. Okay, he came back. My father had certain issues. Today they'd say PTSD. Okay, by the time I was raised, he'd mellowed out. But boy, when he first came back and my son, my older brother, didn't do what he said, my father laid it to him on his behind. My mom thought he was being too rough. You know what? My brother turned out great. Loved his father. The point I want to make with this is when they were going through training, they don't do this anymore. But you know what they used to use when they were training soldiers in certain things, when they had to learn to crawl? Live fire machine gun fire in World War II. That high off the ground. They used that in training. You know, men got shot. My father had to, someone was going through basic training or going through training with him. He took a bullet through the buttocks. Never saw active duty combat. You know what every other man learned from that? Keep your butt down. 
I have a poster in my office that says, sometimes your life, okay, basically is illustration for what other people shouldn't do. Uh, the one I like the best is mines are like parachutes. Just because you've lost yours doesn't mean you can borrow mine. Okay? But he turned around here. Chastisement, God used to teach his people. Sometimes it may involve suffering, chastening. Sometimes it revolves rebuke. Sometimes shame. The purpose is to bring about discipline and correction. Look at Deuteronomy. We're coming back here. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's see if I got it marked here. No. Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 5. Thou, also, thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasten his son... So the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Okay. Many months had passed since David had sinned. He had Uriah killed. Bathsheba was what? Maybe two months into it? I don't know. How, how fast can a woman know she's pregnant? Some women know within a month. So <laughs> it amazes me when you hear a story about a girl who ends up delivering a baby didn't know she was pregnant. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think you should know. But I'm not a girl, so I can't, I can't argue that point, okay? Many months had passed. There was still no repentance from David. He'd, hid, he'd married his wife. You know, he'd married Bathsheba. He married her. She's, gonna, she's had him as baby. He's hiding his sin. He didn't confess. God took action by sending Nathan to confront David in order for David to see the severe consequences of his sin. He told David a short story about that little lamb. Okay, enraged at the injustice of the rich man, David interrupted Nathan and swore an oath that the rich man deserved to die. He then issued a verdict, and the rich man was able to make restitution, paying back four times over. Exodus 22. Verse 1. See, David was thoroughly biblical in his sin. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and what? That's God commanding them. Four sheep for a sheep. You're going to pay back fourfold. You're going to pay back. Unknown to David, he just condemned himself for stealing someone else's wife. And Nathan boldly declares to David, Thou art the man. Depending on what you think about, that happens to all of us at some point when God brings about conviction, you know, and it's me. Right? You know. The consequences of David breaking the 10th commandment, the 7th commandment, and the 6th commandment, if you don't know what they are, Exodus 20, go look them up. Go out the door and look on the wall in our entryway because part of us getting... Was that 400000 Judy, or 200000 the grant? Four? $400,000. Four 
was we had to post the Ten Commandments out in the front of the church and put the guy's picture who gave us the money on the other side. For an extra 200000 I'd put a picture of his whole family up. Okay? But that's what's out there, the Ten Commandments. What happened? He was told violence and death will always be part of his family. Verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. God is saying, you despised me in your disobedience and you took that man's wife. All sin is against who? Everyone. It's against God. It may be against an individual, but it's against God. David despised him. A man after God's own heart. And we don't realize so many times. David's new son with Bathsheba. Look at verse 14 of our, our text. 2 Samuel 12. Howbeit by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall what? Surely die. David performed a post-birth abortion. Isn't that what they try to call it when they kill a baby, when the baby's delivered out of the womb? It happens in abortion clinics all the time. Baby's born and then they kill it. Because of his sin, that baby's going to die. Look at verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. Another innocent paid for David's sin. Look at verse 11. Same chapter. And thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this sin. Didn't David have a son who went unto his what? Concubines? Fancy name for wives who had no choice. The baby died. He lost his wives. Ammon, Absalom, and Adonijah, three other of David's sons, died. So that's how many... what if you knew when you sinned that it was going to cost you four times God is not a man that he should lie he's going to cost you four times as much see when you sow to your flesh what a man sows you sow a seed the seed produces a tree the tree produces multiple fruit You sow a seed. You get a stalk of corn. Russ, is it like three years? Four years? Yeah. Years of corn. Every one of those kernels is another seed. You reap multiple of what you sow. That's what God's trying to teach you. In chastening, He wants you to know it's going to cost you more than you thought. And we need to realize that. 
That's part of the thing that helps you look for the way of escape. If you understand, it's going to cost you more. It cost him. He paid dearly for a few moments of lustful pleasure. For whatsoever man soweth, so shall he also reap. What took place with that? What took place with that, with David? David is sick. In verse, Nathan departs. Verse 16, David starts praying to the Lord, fasted and went and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth. And he would not eat, he wouldn't drink, he wouldn't do anything, he wasn't bathing, he was mourning. On the seventh day, the child died. The servants... This is verse 18. Feared to tell him that he was dead, because behold, while the child's alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? David saw his servants whispered. He perceived it. Is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. What did David do? He arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came unto the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he had required, he sat and set bread before him and he did eat. And they said they didn't understand. They didn't understand. How can this? Why? The child was dead. They didn't. Now he's dead. You rise to eat. And you wouldn't do it when he was alive. And he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? Grace is God giving you some good that you don't deserve. Unmerited favor. He didn't deserve grace. Grace is something you don't earn. He said, but now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. That's one of the verses I use to teach that uh, babies go to heaven. Okay? David comforted his wife, went unto her, lay with her, they bear another son, and he starts having children with her, and a bunch of them are going to die. All right, now what happens? David repented. How do I know? Watch what happens. A change of heart and mind in recognizing what you've done is called, that's repentance. You're repenting of it. You understand it. The change of your heart attitude towards it in your mind thinking about it then causes a change in direction. It causes you to be sorry for what you have done and who you are. We have to teach our children that when they do something wrong and they say, I'm sorry, and it doesn't mean anything, that it doesn't mean anything because it's not changing. It continues. I'm sorry. And it becomes a word gets thrown in there. It means nothing. True repentance means something. I'm sorry is the get-out-of-jail-free card. That's what we look at it in so many ways. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are you sorry? I'm sorry. I'm going to go right back and do the same very next thing. Same thing. You're not sorry. You're not under conviction about what you did. So what happens? Go to Psalm 32. I'm going to finish this up, I promise. Psalm 32. This is the psalm of David. Blessed is the, he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man on whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. 
When I kept silence, my what? Bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He became physically sick. Go to Psalm 51. Look at verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He lost his joy. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a what? That means he had a bad spirit. Look at verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be confirmed unto me. When he confessed and he forsaked it, when he repented of it, then they're going to see it. He lost his witness. Look at verse 14. Psalm 51. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud thy righteousness. He felt guilty about it. This is before he repented. Psalm 51 is David's psalm in prayer of confession and repentance for Uriah the Hittite and Bathsheba. That's what that psalm is all about. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Gee, that sounds like a memory verse. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, acknowledging it, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. After David repented, the Lord forgave and granted mercy. God set aside the death penalty David deserved. He was guilty of murder. Exodus 21, 12, you give your life for that. He was guilty of adultery. You know what they did in the Old Testament to adulterers? They killed them. Okay? He was twice ready to die, and God showed him mercy because he repented. In mercy and grace, God allowed David to have a son. Okay? Go back to our text, 2 Samuel chapter 12. When David got it right, look at verse 24. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went and unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name what? And the Lord loved him. Loved <laughs> Solomon, who became very blessed. Now Solomon had his own problems. I'm not talking about Solomon this morning. But because of his confession, because of his repentance, God showed mercy, and a child was born who would then lead Israel into their greatest time before his own sin caught him up. You see it? What are some of the times God has showed you mercy in your life? Do you even recognize it? What are some of the times God graces you in your life? Unmerited favor, when you get something good that you haven't earned. You know what happened? David got, became broken. He confessed his sin, declared he to sit against the Lord. Verse 13 of the text. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. You know what he did? He didn't justify and rationalize his behavior. No excuses were given. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is part of genuine repentance. We're not willing to confess it. You can't receive God's forgiveness. The forgiveness is there waiting. God forgives. That's who He is. But forgiveness is not applied until confession and repentance is made. Because to forgive sin when there's no judgment on the sin is to allow the person to continue in that without any cost. And it will always cost the person more when they continue in that sin. Still with me? If we're not willing to confess our sins, we cannot receive God's forgiveness. Confession involves acknowledging that we've broken God's law and are guilty. Psalm 51, David says, Against thee the only have I sinned and done this wickedness in thy sight. We've also looked at Proverbs 28 and verse 13. If you cover it, you're not going to prosper. Confess and forsake. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just too and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Chronicles 7.14 and we're done. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves see you have to have humility and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will what? And all God's people said, take a break.